hear you. Come on, y'all. One time. Come on. All right, so let me be honest with you, all right? I know it's been a while. Some of you kind of get back in the flow. I need a little more energy this morning. So one more time, let me hear you. Come on, one time. Come on. Woo, that's good. So if you want to know why I need some energy, it is because we just got back from Rwanda, Africa. I had a great time, but I have to just thank you for letting me go. I am extremely grateful just because it's been you know, quite a few years since we've been able to travel because of COVID and everything, but it's just an amazing, amazing trip that we've gone on. We've been going since 2009. We got to finally take, though, my daughter who's been waiting to go to meet her child that we've sponsored for all these years, so it was just a great, great time, but I'm going to put some pictures on the screen just so you can kind of see what's going on. It's my oldest, Hannah, and these are just some of the amazing moments that we had together because it is well overdue. We have really been waiting and waiting and waiting. And now when we finally get there, we got to see a lot of improvement, a lot of things that have paid off over all the time, including, look, Hannah getting her dance on, son. So y'all just better know that is a group of women that actually have sewing machines that uh, they're employed as a result of people giving and people helping them. And it gives them a career path to be able to take care of their children and get them out of poverty. And you're a part of that. So if you don't mind, put your hands together for making sure that that continues to happen. So thank you for giving. But we also, for you guys that are new, if you've never been to the Simple Church before, we uh, love to help around the world, not just locally, but around the world. And we sponsor uh, a little under 300 kids, a little over 200, depending on in Rwanda specifically, between 200 and 300. The number's a little shady because they were trying to update that while we were there. But this is Olivier, our sponsored child, and Hannah finally got to meet him. We started when he was very, very young, so it's weird to see him almost as tall as me. Uh, but what was so awesome was just to reflect on uh, really over a decade of investing into uh, Rwanda specifically. Uh, Simple Church turns 15 years old. We'll be 15 years old coming up this next month. So go ahead, put a little love on there. Come on, yes. And in that journey, uh, we've done things a differently, very differently. And so if you're here for the first time or if you're trying to figure out what's going on with Simple Church, this is a great message for you to come into because we're going to talk about church. We're going to talk about why we do it the way we do it. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of different things that I think will help you uh, and maybe give you some clarity on your own personal life. That's what's really important for us as a church is one thing, but for you to be able to walk away and go, all right, I know how this applies to me. I started with my oldest, Hannah, in these pictures because as a parent, that's really one of our goals. Me and Angie are trying to raise our kids not to be committed to just a church, but committed more importantly to the cause of Christ. And in that, in the South and growing up in this world, sometimes that gets a little confusing and people don't always get that. And this is a big deal for us to help our kids to grow up and go, no, listen, let's be more like Jesus and not like a church. Although we hope our church becomes like Jesus, uh, when you've grown up in it, sometimes things happen because we're human and it doesn't look so good. And we want to point them to Jesus and help them to see who he was and what he was about so that they don't lose that fire and they don't lose uh, or get discouraged, I should say, living in this modern world. Because, man, it's pretty crazy out there right now. And everywhere you go, there are lessons to learn. And we have been trying to apply those lessons to the Simple Church and to our lives. And I hope that when we get done with this message today, you'll hear our heart and you'll understand why this is so important. So let me start with a question. What comes to mind when I say church? So if you were to right now just stop and go, some of you immediately something bad came to mind. You're like, don't even want to bring that up right now. Other people, this came to mind. You said, okay, I remember him right there. All right, any Eric Church fans? 
Yeah, some of you are like, country music, you're listening to the radio too much. I'm just kidding, but, you know, there's all kind of imagery or thoughts come to mind. Some to someone's name, Eric Church, or some of it goes to a building. While we were uh, going to Rwanda, we stopped in Amsterdam. This is one of the beautiful churches over there, so you can just think of a building possibly. But many of you probably thought of a word that we've all heard growing up. If you've ever been in the South and you talk about church, it's like, first word came to my mind just was hypocrites. That's what I heard, you know. And I ran across this. It says the church is not full of hypocrites. There's always room for more. Can I get an amen? <laughs> the truth is, is we've all heard that. I don't go because they're full of hypocrites. Or you got all these different things that come to your mind. Uh, if you were to talk a little bit longer or ask a little bit more about what comes to mind with church, some of you would say it's preaching. You're like, hey, this preacher impacted me or this style of preaching. Or maybe music. Some of you are like, man, I don't like that music. Or, boy, I love this music. Or, There's all these debates that happen. But there's one word that will not come to your mind in the American church. But it does specifically come to the minds of the Rwandan people. And I was reminded this year again, because I'm taking my daughter who's never been. We've just sponsored a child, but we go over there. And it comes to our minds often. In 2009, a group of guys from here in Shreveport, Bossier, we went. This is a picture of the first time we went. And a giraffe got into our picture, which was awesome. Because you get to go on safaris and everybody thinks of Africa as all these great things. And it is. It's unbelievable. But our heart was not just to go on a safari. We were trying to figure out what we could do to be a part of solving problems all the way back in 2009. Simple Church only two years old. Bill McConathy, a dear friend. Bill Allred, Donnie McDaniel. There's just a great group of guys. Brian Reed. We're trying to figure out what we're going, what we're going to do and how we're going to have an impact. This is in villages that we would go to, whether we were praying over those villages. And this one specifically is in a village called Kajeo. And the reason it was important is because it's kind of in the outskirts of Rwanda. And people were starving. Had no food. You know, we're coming in. Uh, they had a word for us when we came in, Mazungu Manini. And everybody's like, Mazungu Manini. And everybody's like, what's Mazungu Manini? It is fat white guy. Can I get an amen now? All right. That's the truth. Everybody, every village we went into, all these kids are running up to the vans. Mazunga Manini, Mazunga Manini, Manini. And I'm like, hey, Deborah, well, what is Mazunga Manini? She just, I don't want to say. You know, I do not want to say. I'm like, girl, you free, baby. It don't matter. Just what is Mazunga Manini? Tell me. She said, fat white man. You know, I'm like, that kind of hurt, you know. True, but it kind of hurt, all right? But the reason they would call us fat is because we were, especially compared to them. Because they're starving. They were looking for some way to survive. And here we are coming in. And we don't really know what's going on. We're just trying to get our heads wrapped around the culture. And we had heard some things and read some things about Rwanda. But we really didn't know. But I already told you this word genocide became synonymous with the church in Rwanda. And you go, what? Okay, we have our problems in the American church. We argue put too much politics involved in it. Everybody's got opinions and they gripe and complain and there's hypocrites and all the things that we got our problems. But when you go to Rwanda and you drive by a church like this, and I'll put the image on the screen for you, this was a church building. But what we did not know is when you went inside of the church building, you saw images like this. Because in roughly 90 days, about a million people were killed. Now let me put this in perspective. Shreveport-Bossier, 300,000, 350,000. That means everyone in Shreveport-Bossier, all of you in here, all of the people that didn't make it to church, all of the people who were sleeping today, all, every one of us times three were killed in 90 days. 
all over something pretty foolish. And when you start looking at how it happened, it's really shocking. I can't go into all that today. I'll go into it maybe at a later time. But it was all over propaganda saying you should hate this person because of the way they look and because of the way they, where they live and what they own. It was the Hutu versus the Tutsis. Both black, by the way. Both in the same community, but yet taught by propaganda to hate one another. Very much similar to America. Depending on what label you like or you don't like, you can say bad things and get away with it. And everybody starts kind of having this seed of hate going through. Well, trust me, at a whole nother level, Rwanda's experienced this. Not a long, long time ago in the 90s, 1994 to be specific. And church after church that we would go in, they were telling us how the genocide was there in that village. The priest and the pastors participated. Now let me just press the pause button in case you're trying to figure that out. We were too. All of these people killed ran to the church for help. They thought, man, surely the church will help me. But yet, as crazy as it is, they go into the church and the pastors actually locked the doors and called the bad guys and called them and told them where they were. And they came in and they literally killed them inside the churches. Babies, women, children, men, machetes, guns, grenades. And all across Rwanda, people died. When you look at the map, you see the red areas of 87,000 people in some of those areas. And it was neighbor versus neighbor all over politics and ethnics. I mean, this, you know, your, your race, as crazy as it is. All of these different structures were in place to say, love these and hate these. These are the good guys and these are the bad guys. And it began to get such traction to hate each other that mass graves like this next one became reality. The world recognized when you looked at Newsweek magazine when, and in the 90s, people said, well, how come I don't remember this? And if you look in this corner, this is probably why you don't remember it. That was right in the middle of the O.J. Simpson situation. So we were tuned in watching the white Bronco run down the highway while the world was watching millions of people be slaughtered right before their very eyes. And the reason that we were so burdened to try to go over here to Rwanda was because here we are, we're launching a church, and from the very beginning, our idea was simple. Let's just don't do it the same. We've all grown up in church. You have some of the great leaders in this church, Bill Allred, Eddie Faith, Bill McConaughey. These are literally men who've invested their lives in this community and in the church, but what we all corporately agreed was the church needs to be doing it a little bit differently. And I'm not talking about singing or I'm not talking about preaching, but I'm talking about trying to change a community and change the world. And so we just went to Rwanda to go, what's going on and what can we do to be a part of that? So we wouldn't just be stuck in our own little world. We could learn from the mistakes and the lessons that they've applied to their lives. So here we are, seeing all of this unfold before us and our minds are blown. Well, here I'm now in 2022 <laughs> taking my daughter who's 20 years old and we go back to Bujasera village. And what was shocking to us, and this is the actual image, they found more bodies recently. And every year they find more and more bodies of people that were slaughtered, brutally murdered. 
and they bring them back to the church. And all of these piles, these are all the clothes of people that were murdered in that church. In this one church alone, there's 45,000 people buried in the backyard. Say that again. 45,000 people buried in just this one church ground. Now, if you will, imagine saying church in Rwanda. They're not worried about division among the church or politics. They're going, oh yeah, I remember. When we thought we could run to you for help, you aided in the slaughter of innocent people. So now you understand that for 15 years, some of church turns 15 next month, we have been trying our best to make sure that what we're known for is something that really genuinely impacts the world and impacts our community. Beyond sermons, beyond you know, songs that are sung, that we as a group of people impact the community, the world. So that when church comes to mind, or specifically, man, hey, tell me about simple church. Although people argue, I don't like the music, or I can't believe he's this, and did he have on Vans today with checkers? That's just weird. (laughs) We didn't grow up that way. We don't really care about all that. Honestly, that's not why we're here. It's never why we existed. That's never why we started this thing. We started it with this idea of saying, hey, when people say simple church, what will we be known for? What will people, when they come back and go, man, let me tell you what they're known for. This is what they're known for. I already said it. You're going to find a better preacher. And in today's world, this is no exaggeration. You can get preaching anywhere. Just open your phone, go to YouTube. You can get the best preachers in the world instantaneously. We got a pretty good rocking band, but it may not be your style. So it's not about music or not, because instantly you can go get whatever kind of music you want right now. It's available anywhere. If you're looking for a building, we don't own any. It's weird. Everyone's like, wow, I mean, but it's not as comfortable and it doesn't really, how do I do it? Because that's not what we're about. Although there's some great ones and we know one day there might be a building that may have to happen one day or we may do something differently, but here's our goal. That's not really what we're about. But hopefully what you've already heard and what you will continue to hear and what I need your help understanding as we move forward, especially if you come and be a part, if you hang out with us or if you just even attend If you tell someone you go to Simple Church, we hopefully, the next phrase will be like, man, I don't agree. I don't know how their preaching is, and I don't know about their music, but boy, those people can solve some problems. I mean, they know how to get this done, or they know how to help with that. And how we started it a long time ago, even coming back from Rwanda's where it really specifically started, was we really should be doing good. My prayer is is that we would keep doing good, that we would keep solving problems. And this is the thing. Styles, fads, they come and they go. Man, when I grew up in church, I saw some old church friends that came here today. I'm so thankful y'all are here. But they would tell you, when we grew up going to church, Westside Baptist Church on the west side of Shreveport, it was suits and, you know, occasionally people eventually geared it down and they could just try to dress up. And those are part of what was happening. We didn't have drums and a guitar. We had an organ and a piano. We had a great leader. Oh, Larry could sing, but it wasn't about like, oh, we got to have the best music. It was just a part of what we did. And if you go through all of your church growing up, it always seems it has a tendency to go to these things that we in America keep kind of hanging on to as church. But then what we started to say back then and we continue to say now is like, but what if we're known for doing good? 
what if we're known for solving problems? Not creating them, not causing them, but solving them. You look at Galatians, you go, Joshua, where you get this from? Let's not get tired of doing good. Because in time, we'll have a harvest if we don't give up. Now, what we've learned, and the reason this scripture is important is because doing good is hard. It's easy to listen to a sermon, and it's easy to sing a song. It's easy to gripe about them as well, but it's easier just sitting back and going, I don't like that, or I do like it, or this is bad. But let me tell you what's hard is doing good. Finding ways to solve problems, finding ways to actively be engaged in a community or in the world. It's hard going all the way to Africa. It's hard listening to genocide stories. It's hard watching kids starve because it's easier just, I don't really know. I just want to argue about what I want. And my kids, you know, we got this one. I want to make sure everybody's good. But when you start looking at everything else, it's kind of hard. So he said, man, don't get tired of doing good because in the right time, you're going to reap a harvest. It has an impact. It makes a difference long term. Now, the reason it's all fresh on my mind, I just came back. 20 years, African New Life, who we partner with over there, is celebrating 20 years of ministry. So they brought in all of these churches from around the nations, around the U.S., Northwest, Texas. We're all gathered around a table. We're all eating a meal at this fancy restaurant. They're all enjoying it. And as pastors and churches do, the question comes up. They all sit around. They go, tell me about your church, brother. Or tell me what's going on, brother. And tell me about it. And they all start their talking. Well, because I'm a Mazunga Manini, I'm eating. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but I hear Robin, who now helps us with our do-good initiatives and the mission side of what we do, Took over for Bill, you know, great, great team, great legwork laid up to this point to do it. And Robin's trying to learn it. She's never been to Rwanda before, so her mind's kind of blown, and she's kind of walking through that. We've been there a lot, but I'm just eating. But I hear these pastors, well, tell me about it. And they're telling about our church. Well, we're an expository preacher. Oh, you should hear our preacher. <laughs> this is the truth. Oh, God, I tell you, we have grown just because he is so good at word by word, line by line, helping us understand, blah, 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 and they're going on, and I'm just eating, man, just eating, as eating. Then somebody else on the other side, the Texas group, oh, your preacher's good, you should hear our worship. Oh, my God, he wouldn't believe. And they do it, we just feel the way, it's just all, and they're going through all of these things, and I'm just, Mazungu Nini, just eating. But in my mind and in my heart, because y'all know me, it's messing with me. Because finally the table turns and someone asks. They ask Robin, they don't ask me, thank God, because I'm still eating. And they say, hey, tell us about your church. So Robin begins to tell her about who we are, what we're trying to do. Definitely not the perfect church. She couldn't talk about the preacher because he ain't no good and he's sitting at the table, you know what I'm saying? Music really wasn't a part of that. She really wasn't getting in that. She's like, well, here's what we're trying to do. And this is what I wrote down in my notes to come back today. You ready for this? Shocker. No one talked about their church changing the community or changing the world. So when we turn the conversation off of worship and off of preaching or off of buildings, well, we're in a building campaign right now, and I tell you, when we build this, this is going to have an impact. And blah, blah. We're like, hey, man. But we're all here at this table because we're trying to impact Africa, Rwanda specifically. We're trying to impact people's lives. We're trying to impact community. And typically what is on the list when someone talks about church, and this is not a criticism, this is an observation. It moves to worship albums. Oh, we got a worship album coming out. You got to hear it. You're not going to believe this. We got a new series starting. Oh, my gosh. When our preacher did this series, it was so good. Retreats. Have you been to this retreat? If you go to this retreat, I'm just telling you. Events. 
Oh, you can't miss this next event. If you do this, this is really going to help you. There's nothing wrong with all of these things. But here's what I'm learning and here's what I'm trying to make sure all of us understand. That all of those other things change with time. Just look in your own journey in church. If you were to go back to the 90s, I remember when I started working at First Baptist Bossier, I had a full suit and I stood down front. Just as I am, Lord. Anybody remember this? Just as I am. Nothing wrong with that. It was just the culture. But then I remember in the 90s, they were like, hey, we're not going to wear suits anymore. We're going to go to a denim shirt with a logo. Anybody remember that? Denim went out. Can I get an amen on that? All right. I heard it's kind of coming back, but they were denim. And then we went to polos because polos were better than suits. And it went to denim. And that's where we're going. And people were looking at all these other stuff. And then it was music. My boy J-Dog, man, was in the service. And he would ask me, because I just moved back from Nashville, what's the latest music thing? And what's going on? And it was all over the map. And then as you start really looking back, you realize it keeps changing because music changes. And now, if you don't believe me, I'm going to take you back to the 90s. Anybody ready? You're like, what? You're going to be sad after this. I'm going to just tell you, all right? Because when you go back to 90s worship, prepare yourself because you're going to think I'm joking right now. I'm not joking. This is no church in this area, so don't get offended. But it is a legitimate church. And this was 90s worship like no other. Watch. The renewed mind is the key to the power that we need. The world is going to see that it's Christ in me. And y'all were trying to figure out, is he serious? Did you hear the crowd? They loved it. Woo! <laughs> y'all know I ain't got no moves. Bro, ain't going to happen. Now, why do I show that? Oh, obviously, we're having a little fun with it. But think about it. You already know this. Music changes. Preaching styles even change. There's a lot of different styles when it comes to this and it comes to that. And I can just tell you, dude, I led worship. I was a part of leading worship all across the country. Our stuff would be out of style now. It just changes. And every generation, it continues to change. That's why I'm talking about our kids. So if you make it about the music and you make it about preaching styles, and here's the other thing. Preaching style changes. If they'd have seen lights back in the day and no stage and no podium, everybody would have lost their mind 20 years ago. Oh my gosh, you can't do that. You can't do this. and You can't wear that. And you can't. But it's changing. Right now, it's online. We have thousands of people who watch online. Hey, if you'd have told me back in the day there's going to be thousands of people who watch church online, when we were at Westside Baptist Church, you'd be like, ain't no way that's going to happen. But it happens. So you got old school preachers. You can go hellfire and brimstone. I don't go to church unless I feel like I'm in trouble, brother. I've had people tell me that. Reading all like similar church, you're too nice. I need to get on. I need somebody to get on to me. Then I feel like I've done something. Then you go out and do the same thing anyway. What point did it make? <laughs> then other people are like, no, I've got to have this or I can't go if it just don't feel right to me. Okay, so there's all kind of orthodox to old school, music modern, music old. It doesn't matter. There's, remember, 
there are some denominations you don't have any instruments. There's all kinds of things. So here's the one thing that I want you to get. You ready? The words that come to my mind is this right here when it comes to church. Personal preference. So in this whole idea of going, what are you going to be known for? Some of you are making your decisions based on your just personal preference. Well, I just prefer it this way and I prefer it that way. But then when you look back and you go, does it make a difference in the community? Does it make a difference in the world? And has it changed you? Not make you go feel good enough and not make you feel like, well, I just got by and everything is good. It's like, no, if we're, if we're doing all this, if we're in this journey of following Christ, it's got to move beyond just my personal preference. So this is why Simple Church exists. My personal preference would be, again, there's some things I like, some things I don't like. Some things I think are really good, sometimes I don't think. Man, that's okay. But here's the bottom line for us. We want to be known for something that doesn't change. I want you to be known when you come back and go, listen, all those things are going to continue to change, but there are things that do not change. And you go, well, Justin, can you show me? Oh, that's why I'm glad you're here. Yes, John 13, 35, you ready? Everyone will know you, be known. They will know you as my followers if you, what's this word? Demonstrate your love to others. If we as a church are known for tearing people apart, hollering at people, being mad at them because they don't agree with us, us trying to win them over, prove our points, we are not following what he told us. We have to get to the place where we can demonstrate our love for people. And I'm talking about genuinely do that in a way that never goes out of style. Now you need an early church example. I'll throw out a couple for you. Acts chapter 9. We did a whole series on women not too long ago, and this is one on Tabitha. This is in Joppa. There was a woman named Tabitha who was a believer. She obviously knew Jesus. She was following him, right? She spent, what's this word? You don't even want to say it. I'm talking about all, everybody, all of her time doing what? Doing good and helping the poor. Because she was going back like, you don't hear her talking about worship. You don't hear her talking about preaching stuff. She's just like, listen, if I'm going to make a difference, if I'm going to be a believer, if I'm going to change this community, we can argue, I can like it, I can not like it, but I am going to give all of my time to doing good in the community, to changing the community, to investing in the poor who need the help, to finding ways to give them back. Now, you may not like that, but if you really look into the New Testament over and over and over and over again, you'll see it. And you know what? Because the music and the preaching changed like we do now. Yeah, there was some singing, but you wouldn't have liked it. In Hebrew, you'd be like, that's just pretty boring. But it changed, and it continued to evolve. But there was one thing that happened 2,000 years ago that's still happening to today, and that was that the people realized that if we're going to make a difference, we have to demonstrate our love as believers to doing good and solving problems and meeting needs at a level that the world goes, there's something different about them. Now, you need a worship lesson? Now, Justin, just can you go back to worship? I'm glad you asked. James 127. The worship that God wants is this. Now, this is pretty clear. James is not leaving mincing any words. You can't even say, well, I don't know if that's the right translation or the interpretation. Caring for orphans or widows who need help. This is the kind of worship that God accepts as pure and good. So when we start arguing, you, I have never yet, not at that table, not in this world, start someone argue with me. You know what the problem with our worship is? We're not helping enough widows and orphans. Well, I just don't like that the guitar was too loud, brother. If we could take the drums out, I think I could tolerate it. 
And he's coming back going, no, what I'm telling you is, is if we're going to worship, it's got to be beyond what happens in this room. It happens when we leave this room. This is what was all about in the news over and over and over again. Well, did Jesus have anything to say about it? Well, I'm glad you brought it up. Matthew 5, 16, live so that they will see the good things you do and then praise the Father. What does he say? He's like, hey, you want to really praise the Father? You want people to get into good praise and worship? Live in such a way that when you do good things for people that they go, man, thank God for that church. Thank God for that person. Thank God that they're in this community. Thank God they're in this world. Not arguing, fighting, getting your way, preference, your style versus my style, politics. Let's leave all that junk out and just go back. And go, man, can we do this? And I got one more for you. In case you didn't have enough, Hebrews 13, 16. And don't forget to do good. And to share what you have with others. Because sacrifices like these are very pleasing to who? So we want to please God? Start looking at the way you spend your money. Start looking at the way you spend your life. Start looking at the way you see outsiders and people in need. Start thinking about all these different things. Say, hey, don't forget to do this, by the way, because here's the deal. When you share what you have with other people, man, God is honored. And this is what I wrote down. All right, you ready for this? When you love people and you continue to do good, like Scripture says, it never goes out of style. You don't have to worry about whether you're relevant 10 years from now or 20 years from now. So when I'm dead and gone and there's somebody else leading the simple church, my hope and prayer is they will not be fighting for expository versus topical preaching. My hope will be that they're not fighting for, well, we really need to update the music and make sure this happens. What I hope we're fighting for is that when we leave this building, when we go do our lives as Christians, as we follow him, that the world is changed, that it is different. It is different in our community. It is different in Rwanda. It is different in Ukraine. It is different wherever you're from. Because as we do that, God says, this is what I'm looking for. And by the way, if it happens to be the end of the world like everybody thinks it is, and maybe it is, maybe it's not, the most important thing in Matthew 25 that Jesus comes back to when it's in the world that says, hey, this is what you're going to be known for, it's not singing or preaching. It's feeding people. It's providing water. It's continuing to put clothes on people that don't have any. It's visiting people that are sick. It's making sure that people are in prison have their needs met. So when you start trying to debate and argue and try to figure it out, this is why we are the way we are. Because I don't profess to be a theologian. I don't profess to know more than anybody else. I'm pretty weak at all that. But I'm pretty common sense when it comes to, God, help me to love people and do good. And to do it all in the name of Christ so that when people have their needs met and they say this, they can point to Jesus and praise him and go, man, there's something different. Now, if you need one more, here's one more. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us help each other to love others and to do good. You talking about a simple scripture? That is why we're here, to help you to love others and to continue to do good. So while I was out front walking in, See some beautiful small kids out there, and I'm so thankful you're in church because here's the deal. I hope that one year, five years, ten years from now, you will live this out. That when you go to school this week or when you go to work in five years or ten years or whoever and wherever we go, that we would be known for loving others and doing good. Because this is the crux of what it is to follow Christ. This is what he called us to. This is what he did. This is what he asked of us. So... 
Who could use some love right now in our community? And why are you here today? I'll put an image on the screen for you because you'll probably figure it out. But it's our local teachers. Now you go, well, Justin, why are you kind of turning that corner? Because I want to make sure you're real clear. I'm not looking for money for this church. And anything you ever give to the simple church, we give the majority, if not all of it, away to help solve problems and meet needs in our community and around the world. It's a little unusual. It's a little different. But it is the fact of what we do. So when we look on the news and we see that teachers are struggling, when there's not enough in the classrooms in our local communities, when our communities now would be affected because they're trying to fill spots and spaces and they don't have any, and then the teachers are going, man, you already know, economy's bad and things are going on, and you don't think teachers still have to buy all the stuff they got to buy and try to figure all that out. So what do we say is, hey, listen, man, this time of year, let's do good. Let's keep doing good. Has a, t- has a teacher ever had a positive impact on your life? I can tell you they have in my life. I saw one of my teachers coming in today, and I told him, I said, Coach, I'm just letting you know I'm not going to talk about you just because you're in here. I talked about you at 930 as well. But Coach St. Andre invested in my life. Today's his birthday. Wish him a happy birthday around. Give him a little love. Happy birthday, Coach. <laughs> Thankful you were born today. I go to Coach Caldwell when I was in elementary school, going to Warner Park Elementary. There was a coach that invested in me and loved on me. I've told his story before. But I'm going to bring up somebody that I haven't talked about, and that's Deborah Mullinex, a choir teacher at Bibsey. Miss Deborah gave me a chance because I didn't have enough money to go to college. I didn't have any way to do that. My parents didn't have a lot of money. And so she gave me a choir scholarship. She said, can you sing? I said, I think. I was in the bars doing it for a living. Can I get an amen? <laughs> she said, can you read music? I said, Deborah, I can't read nothing. I can barely read English. You know what I'm saying? She was like, well, just sing, son, and I'll give you a scholarship. So the reason I graduated college is because of Deborah Mullinex. The reason I got out when I couldn't pass math, Coach St. Andre. Thank you, Coach. Here's what I'm telling you, because they saw beyond just, oh, it's the rule of the law. It was just give them a chance. Just love on them and give them a chance. And here I am going, God, thank you for people giving me a chance. Now, if you need another reminder, you know I like to bring it all the way to where you can't deny it. You want to talk about teachers' impact? You want to talk about why it matters that they're here and why we need to invest in them and why we need to help them? Here's an example from my associate pastor, Steve Hartman. Watch. On quiet days, which they all are now, retired high school music teacher Robert Moore likes to pour over the list, the names of all 900 of his former students. 1966 to 1996. 30 years directing one of the greatest high school choral groups in the country, the Ponca City Chorale of Ponca City, Oklahoma. What he wouldn't give to relive those times. Wouldn't it be great to get those kids back together? But there's no way that could happen. Nah. Actually, nah. I was playing dumb. There is very much a way. Mm-mm. And it was already no. in the works. But it would be fun. It would be. <laughs> Unbeknownst to Mr. Moore, for the past year, a small group of students have been plotting a surprise. They lured him out to the country and then hit him with the greatest gift a teacher can receive. My gosh. From across America and three foreign countries, 
Robert Moore's former students returned. Julie. Nearly 300 of them. Oh, good to see you. All here to tell Mr. Moore the huge difference he made in their lives. So good to see you. You were the greatest influence that ever hit my life. I appreciate that. Many went into education. You're the reason, sir, I'm teaching right now. Many more pursued music. You changed my life. John Atkins graduated in 76. And I became an opera singer, had a 25-year career, singing with the LA Opera and all around the country, and it wouldn't have happened without you. I said, you changed my life. You made my career. Touched so many lives. Helped turn my life around. Not real sure where I'd be without him. And he pulled things out of you that he didn't know were there. Things they're still this grateful for today. To this day, it's almost like having him on the shoulder sometimes. I catch myself saying things to professional players, things that he said to us. Jim Wadalow is conductor of the Raleigh Symphony Orchestra. Would you have your job today if not for him? Absolutely not. <laughs> to repay their debt of gratitude, the students rented out the old Ponkin Theater and put on one last show for their mentor. Please be seated. <laughs> Their harmonic voices and their cumulative success are no doubt a testament to what a good teacher can accomplish in a career. And I say good teacher, which isn't always the same as a likable teacher. Discipline uh, was huge. Lots and lots of discipline. He was not warm and fuzzy, not at all. Not a lot of hugging, not a lot of affection. But if you got a little smile from him. Half of a grin from him. That was gold. We would move heaven and earth uh, to please him. And on this night, they did just that. No man deserves this. <laughs> Tough teachers often go unappreciated for years. But if they're great, eventually the thanks do come thundering, giving the teacher an opportunity at last. I loved you then to show his students how he felt all along. And I learned it now. Thank you. Come on, Simple Church, put your hands together for that. Now, why do I show you that? Because this room is full of teachers like that. This community's full of teachers like that. And so often we could come in and do church and talk about songs or some awesome sermon, but wouldn't it be better if we celebrated those? And wouldn't it be better if we found ways to meet those needs? Because what I have learned is simple. Jesus loves kids and he loves people who love kids. And if you don't believe me, check out this scripture. Luke 17, it'd be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourself. Now, I don't know about you, but this is one of the only times in scriptures that Jesus is straight up gangster, son. <laughs> you think about that. We always, Jesus, oh, he's loving, he's caring. But he said, you comes to kids and it comes to your investment in kids and it comes to you causing a kid to mess up. I'm, listen to me. He said, dude, put something around your neck and throw you in the ocean. Drown, you fool. He gangster. We should have Jesus' picture right in the middle of it because he's telling you. He don't get gangster on a lot, but on kids he does. So why should you care your kids are grown or you don't really have grandkids in the area? Let me tell you something. I'm going to take you back to Rwanda to tell you why you should care. 
Because in 2011, we went back to Rwanda, and here's a picture of the classroom. Laney's back there, teacher a long time, Mark's in the front, Kim, my brother, Christy, all of us in here, surrounded by all these kids. And what we started realizing is we kept going back and spending more and more time and sponsoring more and more kids. We started going more and more into the classroom. And I pulled pictures. This next picture is just in the classroom. And look at the size. When everybody talks about the size of the crowds, you know, the classes are overcrowded and it's so difficult. You just start looking. I'm going to take you a little bit deeper. Look at this next picture right here. This is an average class. They share pencils. They don't even have enough pencils to go around. There were no textbooks. Thanks to Bozier Parish back in the day, we helped them get some textbooks over there. We helped to help them with education. One of the first computer labs put into the country of Rwanda was by the Simple Church. So because the truth in the midst of, yeah, you can clap. That's good. It's you that's making it happen. But here's the reason I say that. Why? Because the majority look like this when it comes to technology. This is their blackboard. Dirt floors. When it comes to cafeterias, they have no cafeterias. They have cups that they get one meal a day of what they call porridge. But yet, miraculously, before we put in any computer stations, before we sponsored all these kids, they begin to become the number one school in the country of Rwanda. And you go, well, how in the world could they do that with all the widows and the orphans and dads and moms that have been murdered? And there's nowhere to take care of them and there's no good classrooms and there's no technology and all this stuff's going on. Let me tell you how. I'll put the image on the screen for you because of great teachers like this. I'll put another image on the screen for you. Although the overcrowded classrooms, overcrowded classrooms, it's because of teachers like this. And how do you have great teachers? You have it through sponsorship. And does sponsorship really matter if you invest in these teachers and you invest in these communities? I'll show you another picture. I got back this last time, and this is Godfrey. And we got to Zoom with Lisa McDaniel, Donnie and Lisa, because Godfrey now, who was sponsored when he was a small kid like Olivier in Kajayo, is now going to be a doctor. And all he could do is hold his heart and say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You talk about making a difference? You talk about changing someone's life? Well, here he is going, Miss Lisa, thank you. Before I even got there, and you won't believe this, but he read and knew all the names of her kids. He, he got there and he said, Justin, tell me how Ben is. Tell me how Rachel is. That's Donnie and Lisa's kids. How's JP? What's going on with them in their lives? Because he cared that much and he knew without them there was no opportunity. There was no one to educate him. There was no way for him to go to school. I'll show you another picture of Bill and Ann Allred. And this young lady right here, she's also going to be a doctor now to give back to her community. And Godfrey said the same thing. I, I have a chance to give back to my community. I'll pull one more video for you because this is Ruth and this is from the Breischkow family. They're sponsors, and they wanted us to just tell us. So we pulled 10 seconds just so you can see and how she holds the picture that you sent so dear. Watch. Um, I appreciate for supporting me in my studies because, it have, because they have dreams come true, and I love you so much. Thank you. And then you will see right there, she holds that picture. Learning English, trying to say you're helping my dreams come true. And 98% of those that graduate from high school because of sponsorship and investing in good teachers live above the poverty line in Rwanda. So when you talk about no food, you talk about bad situations, let me tell you what the key is, education. And you know how they get the education? Because a church and Christians decide to invest. Now let me bring it back to here. You're going, okay, that's great. I'm not going to sponsor a kid right now. I'm not even asking for sponsorship right now. We'll talk about that another time. But let me tell you what I am wanting to point your attention to. 
is when people sponsor a community or they sponsor the teachers or they sponsor a school, what you'll realize is that they're loving those people and they're doing good. That's what sponsorship looks like. It's because you love so much and you want to help them that it begins to change the world. Hebrews 10, 24, I'll bring your attention to it again. Let us help each other to love others and to do good. Sponsorship is one way. And like I said, we'll go back to Rwanda, but let me challenge you something specific today in our community. Why don't you sponsor a local classroom today? Why don't we sponsor a local teacher today? Why don't we sponsor a local school today? Why don't we be known for solving problems and doing good? Not arguing, not fighting, not music, not preaching, but changing our community. So instead of griping and complaining and pointing the finger, why don't we invest in the people who decide to get in the classroom and do what you and I wouldn't do? Why don't we love on them and encourage them and meet their needs? And as 1 John 3.18 says, let us stop saying we love people and let us really love them and show it by our what? See, this is the problem with church. They're really big mouths. And the church can just do a whole lot of talking and we don't do a lot of action. So my hope is, is that you and I would be known not to be a mouth, but that we would be known for loving teachers, that we'd be known for loving our schools, that we'd be known for changing a community, not by sermons and songs, but by meeting the real needs. Our people must learn to use their lives for doing good and helping anyone who has a need, Titus 3. I don't know if you know it or not, but when you talk about anyone having a need, you've seen the economy, you've seen the price, you know, prices of gas. You can imagine what it does for a teacher right now when they're trying to love on their students and how they're going to meet all these needs. So here's my challenge to you. There's no chicken plate being passed today, no chicken bucket, no gold plate, no felt bag for Simple Church. But what I am going to challenge you to do is pray over the next week or so so that when we launch this teacher list of Amazon that you'll go, I'm going to put some money towards that. And guess what? 100% of it won't go to Simple Church at all. It don't help our staff. It don't help us pay the bills. It don't keep the lights on. I don't want it to. What I want to do is change the community. And what I hope is, is that when we start asking teachers, and if you're a teacher in this room, I want you to know, right now, we love you. We do care about you. And we do hear, and we do understand how difficult and challenging it is. And we are thanking God for you. So would you prove that by clapping for all these teachers, whether they're in this room or watching online? Thank you. And what we're going to do now is beyond clapping. Oh, that's so good. We, I got to clap today. No, it's like when you put your Amazon list on there, you got something you needed, if not everything you needed. And how are we going to do that? It's because I believe y'all are going to figure it out. We got another week, so here's the deal. Send your list in, teachers. Spread the word. Do what we can, because I don't know if we can solve it all. I don't know if we'll do it all. It'd be sure cool if we could. But here's the bottom line. Is can't we do something? I'm not asking you if you say, man, I don't have the money right now. Dude, I get it. It ain't coming to us. I just tell you this. I think and believe that God put us all in this room and put us in this community for a reason. And maybe it's a local school. Maybe it's a teacher that you know right now specifically to use some help. We should do something about it. And then I got a breaking news for you. This just in. August 21st. No church. We're not having church again. Oh, my gosh. I'm asking you to go and be the church again. I'm asking you to find a school in your community that needs something done, whether it's painting playgrounds, mowing grass, weed eating, fixing beds, whatever it is, or stocking their fridge, or in writing encouraging notes. I don't care what it is, but we don't want you to come sit and listen to another sermon or listen to a bunch of songs. What I want you to do is rally with your family, with your group of friends, your life group, your small group. I don't care who it is, your workplace, and go, hey, man, let's go help solve this problem. Let's go do some good today. And in the midst of all that, people go, man. God, what would I have done if they didn't show up? What would I have done if we didn't have this need met? 
And let me tell you why. Because if teachers pull out, if you don't have people educating our kids and investing in our kids, what do you think this community will look like? You think you've got problems now? Pull out all the teachers. Let all of them quit. Let all of them get burnt out and get tired and say, I can't do it anymore. And I'm going to tell you something. We ain't going to make it. So this is why as the church, when we see this and we rally behind it, we're not starting a school. Can I get an amen on that? Come on now. We're going to partner with doing school. We're going to partner with you that have invested your life into it. And it is our honor and our privilege to figure out how to do that best. Tell us what you need. Email us. Let us know if you're an administrator, somebody in the school system. I can't do it all, but we're going to try to do everything that we can, especially on August 21st. So here's one of my favorite do-good verses. You ready? Justin, you have a favorite do-good verse? Yeah, I do. You ready? Here it is. When you do good, you stop ignorant people from saying foolish things about you. Can I get an amen? (laughs) This is what God wants. People said a lot of foolish things about Simple Church in my 15 years here. Oh, my gosh, can you believe it? I can't believe that. Listen, you can stop a lot of foolish talk when you start doing good for people. Because how do you argue with that? As we talked about helping kids with foster care, when we talked about CASA last week, when we talked about helping kids in Rwanda or helping kids right here in our community, how do you argue with that? And that's the whole point. We don't want to just win to say we won. We want to win for the name of Jesus and for the sake of the gospel and for his kingdoms that we are known not by our music and not by our preaching, but by the way you lived your lives and the way we changed this community and this world. And I don't know if you know it or not, but actions speak louder than words. I don't want to be a big mouth. I don't want our church just to be talking stuff. I want us to figure out ways to live it and to change the world. You need one more example? I'm glad you asked. Here's one more video. If you want to know why teachers are important and the heart of who teachers are, here's a great reminder. Watch. It was Aurora, Colorado, summer break 2019, when we first met middle school math teacher Finn Lanning and Damien, the student he just couldn't shake. Do you know how many pencils I went through this year? Like way more than you should have. Yeah. Damien says Mr. Lanning was definitely one of his better teachers. When, like, a teacher doesn't bother me over and over again, that's better. (laughs) You have a low bar. (laughs) Yeah. Like, leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. I'll get my work done. He's smart and funny, um, and he was always a student that stood out. And then one day he just came to me and said, I'm not coming back to school. Finn sat him down at that table right then and there. And what I found out was his story. He learned Damien was in foster care, that he had kidney disease, And because social services couldn't find a foster family willing and able to meet his medical needs, Damien had to leave school and move into a hospital. But here's the real kicker. The kid needs a transplant, desperately. And a lot of times you can't get a transplant if you don't have a stable home to return to after surgery. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I mean, you just can't sit across from somebody that you care about and hear them say something like that and know that you have room to help. And that's how Finn became a foster parent. He took in Damien, dialysis needs and all, even though prior to that hallway meeting, he'd been a confirmed bachelor who delighted in his childlessness. I never thought that I could leave school and take one of them with me and still survive, right? Damien says, right back at you, bro. I was like, yes, I'd get out of the hospital. I was like, my math teacher out of all the people. (laughs) They got along famously. Oh, yeah. Although Damien refused to get too excited. He'd seen fairy tales fall apart before. I mean, that's, it's kind of bad thinking about that, but some people actually do that. Like, they'll, like, just kick you out. One, they'll be happy with you one day, and they'll just kick you out the next. 
I suppose only time will let you trust. Yeah. It's been nearly two years since we first told this story. Damien was able to get that transplant, and he's now a much healthier, very typical 15-year-old. Even though it's been absolutely the hardest thing I've ever done, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I'll keep him. <laughs> a few months ago, Finn adopted Damien. Yeah. Teacher and student, now father and son. To be accepted. Feels like a dream come true. Proof that sometimes fairy tales do end happily ever after. Steve Hartman, CBS News, on the road. Come on, y'all, one more time. How awesome is that? All right, you're fixing to get out of here. I was sitting there back there behind the TV. I'm thinking, all right, how am I going to wrap this up? I saw in that video where he said, man, it's going to take some time for him to trust whether it'll be really what people say. Same way with the church. Church has burnt people, been frustrating to you. I started thinking about my friend Bobby again. We wrapped up last week the Be Like Bobby series, and I started thinking about somebody one day is going to stand up and talk about you. What will you be known for? What will be your reputation? When you start thinking about all these different things that are going on, this is why I say what I say today. It matters what we do with our time, our resources what we do in our community, what we do in our world. And one day we'll face Jesus on that, and I am confident that when we get there, he's going to look at many of us, and I pray it'll be all of us. He says, man, you did a good job. Whether you were a teacher that was invested in local schools, or whether you're someone who's a business owner and you decide to sponsor kids or invest in a local school or help the police officers like we've done, or our first responders, or like when COVID was going on, everybody's arguing, mask, no mask, you ain't going to tell me what to do. When you rallied, and we went into all the hospitals to love on the administration and love on those doctors and those nurses. I'm telling you, it matters. Actions speak louder than words. And my hope and my prayer is, is that you won't remember all the sermons. But what I hope and pray is, is that this young generation will look and say, man, I remember when those adults, when those young people stood up and started living like Jesus and acting like him and doing good and solving problems and making him known. So when we get ready to walk out of here today, my prayer is simply this. Would you bow with me? God, I pray that it would go beyond talk. Lord, that you would help us to know how we're supposed to live. And that we won't try to be a part of a church just to say we go and we're going to talk about singing or preaching. But God, that no, we would change our community. We would change the world. So that when genocide strikes and people can't trust the church, we would come in and sponsor their kids and love on them and build new churches in their community to show them they can trust us, to invest in their kids and feed them, Lord, when nobody else would. When it's in this local community, when teachers are dropping out or discouraged, we would be there to show up and give them some encouragement and meet the needs on their Amazon wish list and find out in ministrations, what can we do to help? And the reputation would be all pointing towards you. And when people see the good works we do, they would praise our Father in heaven. And Lord, if there's someone that doesn't know you, I pray that they wouldn't surrender to church, simple church, religion, that they would just see who you are. You're the person who loves them and accepts them. And you're the person that's going to give them a purpose, a cause, Lord, a reason to be on this planet. Help us, God, to surrender to you, not religion, not denomination, not some church, but to the person of Jesus. And as we follow you, it would change us. We wouldn't be focused on us. We'd be focused on how we can die to ourselves so that we can solve more problems and do more good to point people to you. And until we meet you again, until we see you face to face, not just in some meeting in a church where we kind of experience you in a fresh way, but I'm talking about when we lay eyes on you, that we would look to hear those words that we 
desperately need to hear. Well done. Man, you did a great job while you were there. Let it be our story, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can I get an amen out there somewhere? Come on, y'all. One time. Check your watch. I'm about three minutes over. So what you really need to do is encourage somebody. If you're picking up kids today, you better go up there and go, thank you, man. Justin Long-winded. He's been in Rwanda. So give him some love when you get up there. And then the other thing is, tune in next week. I'll be right here continuing the series, doing the next part. But if you're a teacher, remind them. Send us their list. We're going to do our best to fill as many as we can. I love you. all until next week, what do we say? Peace. Thanks for coming.